we're here in the middle of this, uh, this series uh, called Heaven's Presence. Um, sorry. Okay. Oh, it disconnected. Okay, so I'm going to work on that. Um, so we're here in the middle of this series called um, Heaven's Presence, uh, looking at the kingdom of God. And what we've been talking about is, is uh, what did Jesus mean when he was teaching about the kingdom of God? What was he getting at? If we look at all of Jesus' teaching in the scriptures, um, we see that, uh, that this phrase, kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, is something that he's repeating often and that he's teaching about. And there's multiple illustrations and multiple parables around it, that, that the core of Jesus' message as a, as a person walking on the earth and speaking uh, to crowds and walking and talking, and when he was doing miracles, uh, he was always talking about uh, teaching and demonstrating the kingdom of God. And so we've been asking ourselves, what does that mean uh, for us as a group of people here in, in North America? If you'll remember uh, from last week, uh, part of what we've been looking at is this uh, book uh, by Dallas Willard uh, called The Divine Conspiracy. And I've got a copy of it right here. Again, just uh, I just want to make another plug for this book. You can get it on Amazon or, or other places. But just kind of a brilliant, brilliant look at Jesus' teaching on the kingdom. And particularly, he tears apart the Beatitudes and teaches from them. And just talks really about what the kingdom of God is and what a person of the kingdom is. And, and where our lives intersect with it and, and how it all works. And I think having an understanding of the kingdom of God and what it's all about is is a part of what we need to recapture and recover as a church that is uh, trying to, in North America and, and, and the whole Western world, sort of regain a sense of uh, how are we relevant to the world? And, and not only that in terms of big picture, how is the church relevant, but how are we as people uh, relevant to our friends and to our neighbors? Like, what does Christianity in me actually mean? in the here and now. And we've talked about sort of a spectrum of belief that's there in the church from way over on one side, there's a sense that uh, the kingdom is sort of something that Jesus talked about in the distant past and we have some moral lessons about it. And because of that, we should be really good at social justice and development and all of that. And I say, absolutely, that is an expression of the kingdom of God. And way over here on the other spectrum, uh, we would side of the spectrum, we would say that the kingdom of God is something that uh, is going to happen in the future. And we are ultimately going to uh, have a, a life in heaven with God uh, because we are saved, because we've been transformed, because we've accepted what Jesus has done on the cross. And so there's a the kingdom of God. Uh, there's something about life in the middle that we're trying to figure out and, and trying to capture. And so that's what we're going we're gonna to look, look at, is how churches and Christians struggle with relevance. Um, the thing that I've discovered, even within this community and in conversations with other believers, is that uh, the church and, and people struggle with relevance in, in different areas. We don't all struggle with where our faith fits in the same way, there are some of us who are in this community who are just uh, longing to see miracles, just longing to see God do healings, and longing to see a breaking forth of the and and longing to see that peace. Like that it feels to them like that's the peace that we're missing so much. We we of that. And there are some in our community that are saying, oh man, we're just longing to see more of, uh, of a, a, a working of justice. We're longing to see more mercy ministry. We're longing to see a more tangible expression of the kingdom of God as we reach the poor. And there's some of us who are saying, we're just longing to uh, see the gospel 
preached and spoken with clarity. We're longing to see apologetics. Uh, We're longing to see people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in that way. And there are some of us who are saying, I'm just longing to see um, something happen in terms of the depth of our spiritual life with Christ, our ability to be transformed by him, our ability to see him as someone who's entering into our suffering with us and all that. And so there's this sort of sense of, these are these areas that we're longing to see the church grow, longing to see more, more relevance. And what I want to propose to you is that very often those areas of emphasis within the church, within our community, and within the broad spectrum of Christianity and what it is, have something to do with what we believe about both the what of the kingdom, how the kingdom of God influences the world around us, and secondly, both, secondly, the when of the kingdom. Is the kingdom a thing that we learned about in the past, or is it a thing that is in the future, or is it a thing that is now? And so understanding, I think, Jesus' perspective on the kingdom, and what we're going to propose is that we need an understanding of the kingdom past, present, and future, and we need a sense of the kingdom uh, impacting both the, the spiritual world and the natural world. Once we bring all of those things together in the center, uh, we find a place where uh, there is a fullness of life for us as believers, that we need all of those things. And so I just uh, designed this little... Um, image to just help us see how that works in terms of where the broad spectrum of Christianity looks in the West. And it's going to take you just a minute to digest it. But if you look at that vertical axis there, what you'll see is uh, the influence of the kingdom of God, the influence of our spiritual, of our life with Christ. Uh, On on one axis uh, heading north, we believe that that has an impact on the spiritual world. And on the other axis, uh, down below, we believe that our life with God has an impact on the earthly world. It has an impact in the here and now and in the natural world. And looking from uh, this side to this side, we see that there is a sense of, uh, we believe that Christianity is a thing of the past. We believe in the things that God has done, the things that have been accomplished. And of course, on the other side, we believe that there is a future fulfillment of the kingdom of God that the kingdom of God is coming in its fullness and the new heaven and the new earth uh, is, is, is an important part of our, our understanding. And what you'll see as you look at the graph is that there are broad categories within Christendom that um, sort of fit based on where theologically we place those things in the kingdom. If you look up uh, at sort of our typical stream of churches, uh, charismatic Pentecostal churches, uh, we would believe that the influence of the kingdom, and we would emphasize that the influence in the kingdom is a spiritual influence. And we would emphasize that there is a coming fulfillment of the kingdom uh, at its extreme end of that sort of spectrum, sort of going way out on either end of the graph, you would have something like sort of a restoration Pentecostal stream of theology where we would believe that by encountering Jesus spiritually, uh, release of the gifts and all of that, that all of what Jesus meant uh, to happen in our lives would be restored. And at that extreme, we would have prosperity gospel and health and and wealth and a gospel that is really focused on uh, how all of that spiritual stuff just takes us to a restoration of life and making everything ultimately better. Uh, and the the unhealthy part of that is that it doesn't recognize, in many cases, uh, churches like that who would be sort of really out there in terms of charismatic. Uh, churches wouldn't have a strong understanding of uh, a passion for social justice. They wouldn't necessarily be strong 
on biblical teaching and a biblical core, and they wouldn't necessarily be strong on a theological uh, understanding of suffering and an understanding of the, the spiritual disciplines and the value of, of habit and the value of, of prayer and all of that stuff. We would write some of that stuff off as religious. Down here on the, in this uh, section here over in the red, we would have people who would believe that the kingdom is way in the future and it's way earthly. It's way intellectual. It's something that we, we think about. It's something that we try to learn to act and do life the way that God would have us do. And that in doing that, we ultimately bring about the dispensation of the coming of the kingdom of God. We believe that it's way in the future. We're waiting for something. Uh, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And we just have to endure and we have to live and we have to uh, survive uh, until God comes with the second coming and brings the kingdom. But it wouldn't have a full understanding of all of these other aspects. If we look down at the green section, we're looking at sort of a liberal materialist approach. So we would look at maybe something like um, our, our United Churches in Canada or some of our other churches that would say that the gospel is something that we can learn something from. Deep in the past, those things happened. Um, and we can learn some moral lessons about that. We can learn some moral lessons about what Jesus taught. And out of those moral lessons, we're going to focus on doing social justice. We're going to focus on advocacy. We're going to focus on creation care. And I would say all of those things are, are things of the kingdom. But in the extreme with those groups, uh, there's an abandonment of an understanding of the power of the cross and an abandonment of an understanding of an actual authentic relationship with Jesus. And if you look up at, the, up at this section, way out there in the, in the blue, you see uh, liturgical churches uh, who would believe in the mystical, who would believe in the spiritual, who believe that God meets us in our suffering, who believe that we can have a relationship with God that, uh, that uh, is, is based on the disciplines and Ignatian prayer and uh, the sacraments and all of those sorts of things. Um, but there would be a, a, a missing piece around actual, again, authentic uh, relationship with the person of Jesus. There would be uh, not a strength in terms of biblical uh, teaching and preaching. Uh, not, uh, not as much strength as in sort of a passion for social justice and advocacy and all of those things. And of course, uh, we see that that, that that sort of broad spread of what Christianity is about in North America. And even within our community, we see that there's areas of, of tension around that, right? Uh, in our community, I could have a conversation in any given day. And this is sort of part of the bizarre part of, of being a pastor in a community that's so diverse is I could have a conversation in any given day with somebody who's like, oh man, this charismatic stuff, it, it freaks me out. I, uh, this tongue thing, I don't know what to think about it. We've just got to go and we've got to care for the poor. And I've got people who say, man, we're doing so much that's so practical, uh, but, uh, but we're, where are the miracles? Where's the deliverance? Where's the healing? And I could have that conversation with two different people, you know, in a morning coffee and a, and a lunch, you know, within an hour apart. Because there's that sort of sense of, of maybe tension that maybe uh, that, that we're taking those two things and kind of opposing them uh, to one another. And of course, what we believe is that they don't need to be opposed to each other. We, we believe that they're all a part of, of the Christian journey. And that when we bring all of those things to, to the center and bring those things together, 
uh, there's, a, there's a sense of health. But we have a tendency to cause those ideas to be competing with one another. If we emphasize healing in our community, then the person who longs for social justice is, 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 becomes nervous or beca- can become frustrated if that's sort of the background where they came from and, and, and just all of that. We have a tendency to, as people, take the part of the gospel, the part of Jesus' story, the part that we're familiar with, the part that we're passionate about, the part that we're comfortable with, and just sort of camp around that. That's just, it's just who we are. It's what we've learned. It's the tradition we've grown up in. And I feel like uh, my role as pastor is to try to bring those worlds together. I think that's something that Jesus is calling us to do, is to bring those worlds together and to see a fullness of the Christian life that includes all of those different aspects of the journey, the strengths from all of those different quadrants and bring those people and bring those gifts all into the center so that we can see a fullness uh, of healing and miracles and prophecy and all of those amazing things and a fullness of the church diving into social justice and caring for the poor uh, and fullness of, of a sense of, of the disciplines and, and all of that. So we want to bring the whole thing together. But just to let you know that it's not just us, that this is exactly a tension that was experienced in the early church at the time of Jesus. We had the Essenes out in the desert exercising spiritual disciplines. We had the Sadducees who believed that through the restoration of worship in the temple that the kingdom would be brought to bear. We had the Pharisees who believed that it's just all about restoration through right living and if we do that that's a fulfillment of the kingdom of God. And we had the Zealots who were like we just have to kick out the Romans, knock them out and then everything will be fair and free and everybody will have enough food and everything will be great. So these same tensions that we experience now in the church in North America, and you see all of this in, in many, many layers of arguing on Facebook more than anywhere, <laughs> right? Um, all of these things are, are areas that don't need to be areas of tension. And in fact, for me as a person, for me as a pastor, this place uh, of the center where we're engaged at uh, understanding the kingdom of God past, present, and future And understanding the influence of the kingdom, both earthly and spiritual, is the sweet spot for us as a church. And it's the sweet spot for the church in North North America. That's that's where I personally want to live. I had a great graphic there of a really fat pastor, actually. But but I changed that. Um, But but that's that's where we, I think, want to live in the vineyard. I think that's, that's our sweet spot. And so uh, for me, as we, as we begin to engage this understanding of the kingdom and, and what it is, what we need to do is just wrestle with a little bit with how all of these things work together and how to bring ourselves uh, into the center. Now, the risk of bringing ourselves into the center with, with me as a pastor is if, if I'm talking to somebody in the community who is longing to see us be out there in terms of spiritual gifts, and I'm trying to, uh, so, say, say, balance them with somebody who... There, I'm trying to balance them with somebody who, say, wants to see uh, the uh, the social justice piece, and so the person who, who wants to see the social justice piece, I'm saying, absolutely, let's do that. But let's let's also begin to pray. Let's also begin to uh, seek miracles. Let's also begin to seek the inbreaking of the kingdom that way. Uh, if I pull on that person, I'm I'm a jerk. And if I pull on this person up here and say, let's bring you to the center a little bit to, to experience the fullness, then, then I'm that person's jerk. 
And if I pull this person over here, I'm that person's jerk. And if I pull that person's, I'm, I'm, I'm torn. Because a pastor, in some ways, it's a really brutal place to be to try to bring all of these worlds together. But, but it's absolutely, I think, what Jesus is trying to do with us. Uh, the, the trick is that uh, the tendency for us to do that, and, and for hearing me when I'm speaking about these things, is uh, we could bring ourselves into the center where we don't do any of them, where we have everything so balanced, where we don't have a fullness of the Spirit, where we're not caring for the poor, and we're not doing all of this stuff to somehow keep peace in the community. But what we really want is we want all of it. We want all of it. So for me, this vision... Uh, of life at the center where the kingdom of God is found to be fully past, present, and future as well as fully spiritual and earthly is the compelling vision of our church. That's what I'm here for. This is the kingdom of Jesus. And, and, and we're going to just unpack this now, uh, just briefly. So let's look just for a second at this image of the kingdom in all times. This is the kingdom of God, past, present, and future. What does that mean for us? Uh, you, if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you turn to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses uh, 1 through, uh, sorry, verses 4 through 7. And this describes for us this place in the center, uh, this place of being, uh, being believers uh, you'll see this, this sentence here on the slide. The nearness of the kingdom of God means that we have access to the power of what God has done, and the knowledge that what He will and the knowledge of what He will do, brought into our present life that is shared with Him. I'm going to, uh, we're going to describe and talk about what that means. But let's read Second uh, Corinthians chapter five uh, together, verses four to seven. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this, sorry, this is jumping ahead to verse 17, so dot, dot, dot. Uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new has, is here. What Paul does for us in 2 Corinthians is he brings us from this journey of being a people who are groaning. It, that we actually aren't fully aware of all that Jesus has done for us. And we actually aren't uh, fully able to live in the future of what Jesus has for us. And we are living right now in the middle of a, of a world where the influence of God and the influence of his kingdom is, is mixed up with the influences of other humans and mixed up with the influences of past decisions of our leaders and mixed up with the influences of our parents in our lives. We live in a place of groaning where we, we don't have that sense of the fullness of the kingdom of God uh, brought forward into our present, and we don't have that full sense of what God is going to bring and what he's going to do, bringing hope into the mix. And the journey of a Christian is to do that, is to take those two worlds and bring them into our present groaning. And that's what makes us fully alive in Christ, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. So bringing the past forward into our life, we begin to realize that we can live lives that are free of guilt and shame because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. 
lives free of guilt and shame. Uh, We live lives that are under grace, not under the law. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we are no longer under the law. We're no longer under that guilt. We're no longer under that shame. Uh, we, from the past and understanding that Jesus who died on the cross and understanding the way he lived his life, understanding Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and the weeping that he bore, the sense of betrayal that he felt uh, when he was kissed uh, by, by Judas, that whole story of the suffering Savior, we understand that Jesus identifies with us in our brokenness. That's a part of the story that we bring into our life. We understand that with him being present to us, that suffering doesn't need to be something that destroys us. It's something that transforms our character and makes us new. It it, it makes us new if we allow that. We we always have the opportunity when suffering comes for us to become angry or to become bitter or to become frustrated uh, with God. But there's also the opportunity in that to be transformed and to be made new. Uh, We get from our understanding of what Jesus has done in the past a worldview uh, that uh, helps us understand the way God made the world and the way it ought to be. And we gain moral guidance. We learn what it is to live like he lived, caring for the poor, healing the sick, all of that kind of amazing stuff. We bring all of that past understanding of what Jesus has accomplished to bear in our lives in the present. And from the future, uh, we bring uh, the idea of heaven. We bring the idea of the resurrection. We don't fear death anymore. We absolutely don't fear death because we know that we will be raised again. Uh, We have comfort in suffering because we know that it is for a short time. It's how we're meant to draw comfort. Uh, We have a hope for the future. We have hope for ultimate justice that at one time, at some point in the future, he will make all things right. He will make all things right. Uh, we have worship as first fruits of heaven. Uh, what we do here on Sunday mornings is an expression of the future. It's practicing for heaven. That's what John Wimber always said. It's a rehearsal for heaven. That this life of worship and intimacy, it's impossible to preach with a baby. It just really is. We just all look at the baby and it's like, oh, what a nice baby. Our mind, pff, go. We do. We, we celebrate the babies. It's so, so good. Um, uh, so we know that there's new birth, new life, right? We bring that into our present. And so we as people become people that can handle anything. We can handle the groaning. We can handle the brokenness of the world. We can handle sickness. We can handle the grief of loss. We can handle all of that. We can handle the mission that God's given to us because we understand uh, that Jesus has accomplished some things in the world and that he ultimately will accomplish something in the world. Those things are brought together in the present for us. And when we look at what that brings for us, what, what we as those redeemed people who understand what God has done and understand ultimately what he will do, uh, we, we know that we are going to have an impact on the world. And that impact is going to be both spiritual and natural, both spiritual and physical. The kingdom influences both. And we have a tendency in different groups in the church to emphasize different parts of that. Uh, on the spiritual side, uh, if we look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, 3 to 5, um, and, and actually, I just have to go back a step and just read this encouraging piece from the book of Revelation. Uh, Revelation chapter 21 
1 to 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Isn't that full of hope for us? When we understand this, we can endure uh, persecution, we can endure suffering, we can endure death, because we know that this is what is coming. We can endure uh, sickness and depression and all of the other things with which we wrestle. But now we as people who have that, we, we know that we have an influence and that the kingdom of God has influence all around us, both in the spiritual and in the earthly. If we read Second Corinthians chapter 10, Verses 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. With the, wep- the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And the context of that is, is Paul leading into teaching about the Holy Spirit leading into teaching about uh, how we move in our gifts in healthy ways and how we move as, as people who are in prayer and intercession, who are people who are eagerly desiring spiritual gifts, uh, seeing prophetic, seeing healing, seeing miracles, uh, seeing deliverance, uh, seeing uh, communities of worship and seeing the Holy Spirit at work in the world uh, bringing conviction. That is uh, the spiritual nature of the influence of the kingdom of God around us. It's a part of our journey as Christians. It's a part of what we have to embrace to live fully the life that Jesus has for us. You can't write that piece out of the story. It's something to be pursued and desired and sought uh, to have that complete uh, Christian life. But we can't also do life without justice and mercy. If we look at James chapter 1, uh, verse 25 to 27, we read this, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. So he's talking about action. He's talking about the practical. He's talking about uh, doing things in really practical ways. They will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And this is why we see in 2 Corinthians, uh, in, in this incredible passage about love, about what love actually does. That, that the gifts are things that, that, that translate themselves into practical inbreaking. Uh, we see uh, this in the Beatitudes. We see this in the way Jesus lived. Just as passionate to heal the sick and, and, and just as passionate as that, uh, passionate to feed a crowd with bread and make bread and fish go 5,000 ways. Uh, we see him... Uh, 
teaching. Uh, you know, just a, just a side note on Jesus as a communicator. I th- we, we completely underestimate the genius of God himself as a teacher <laughs> in the Beatitudes, <laughs> right? We, 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 our minds can only take these pithy little sayings and, 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 and take a tiny piece at a time. But if you look at the structure uh, of, say, the Sermon on the Mount, it's absolutely incredible uh, the way he's woven together uh, his story. We need a passion uh, for the word of God. Uh, we need um, care for the poor, international development, and personal holiness, the ways we act. Those are also all an important part of the way the influence of the kingdom of God is brought to bear in us and through us. The nearness of the kingdom of God means that as we allow God's influence to grow in us, he will, through us, influence both the spiritual and the earthly world. And so there's challenges for us in that, aren't there? Because some of us, we, we tend to like one more than the other. We tend to be comfortable in one zone more than the other don't we? We tend to be comfortable in our home. And so, so there has to be something in our community that celebrates the passions of the other and the traditions of the other and the emphases of the other. And there also has to be something in us that allows that to challenge us so that we grow towards uh, the emphasis that we are less comfortable with in order that we can have a fullness of life in Jesus. There's a call to it all. And so the meaning of all this is for us that, that we as, a, as Christians, when we live in this fullness of the kingdom, uh, we win. We win. A kingdom always past, present, and future, and the kingdom that influences the spiritual and the natural is, is, is understanding uh, the way that Jesus taught about what he had done, the way that the disciples taught about what he had done after he passed, the way that people like Paul uh, a few years later taught about what he had done, uh, he talks about that entire package as the compelling uh, teaching, the compelling story of the coming of God's kingdom that, that is what absolutely transformed the world. If we, even if we look back at this, this, this whole thing of spiritual warfare and justice and mercy, if you look at why the church grew exponentially in the time of Jesus and why it grew so rapidly, it, people will say uh, two things, because of healings and miracles and because they cared for the poor. That's the analysis from theologians and, and historians on why the church grew so radically in that time. Because they uh, had a life that was, was full of the spirit and full of transformation and full of that spiritual impact and a life that was very, very practical. There were no poor among them. Everybody who got integrated into the community was cared for in a radical way. And we have some growing to do in, in both of those areas, don't we? But if we take it in, and if we grow, and if we stretch ourselves to embrace the fullness of what God has for us in all those areas, if we suffer, Jesus is near us in our suffering, and we win. And we are transformed through suffering. And the kingdom wins. The kingdom advances in us. If we preach the gospel and people come to faith, that's the kingdom of God advancing. We win. 
when we pray and do spiritual warfare, we don't see always the immediate results, but we know that the kingdom is advancing as we do intercession and prayer, and we win. If we worship and declare the future of the kingdom of God and provide for ourselves and for others a taste of heaven, so the people can come into this space and taste and see that the Lord is good, we win. If we make disciples, if we teach people to do everything that Jesus has commanded, we win. If we see miracles, if we see healings, if we see deliverance, if we see all of those things happening in our community, in our midst, if we seek all of that, uh, it breaks down strongholds and spiritual powers and people come to believe in the spiritual kingdom. They come to break down their materialism. They come to break down their sense that all I have is just this stuff that I can touch right now. And they begin to see that there is a God who wants to meet them, a spiritual world that they can be a part of. If we see miracles, we win. If we do justice and mercy and express the coming of the kingdom of God through the way we serve the poor, we win. If we serve one another, we win. When we are persecuted, we win. When we die, we win. We win. We win. We don't have anything to lose. This is an amazing story. This is an amazing story. This, <laughs> yeah. It is an amazing journey. It is an amazing journey. It's what we're doing here. It's what we're living for. It's, it's what we have to tell our friends. It's why we have hope. And it's why we make an impact in the world. And it's how Jesus makes an impact on us. And we just have to embrace the whole thing and celebrate the whole thing and take on board the whole thing and grow in the whole thing. And we live in a fullness and an abundance of freedom and life and joy. Joy comes with the whole package. God is so good. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Jesus, we could not have designed or imagined or dreamt up the scenario that you created by coming into the world whereby the people who love you and accept you absolutely cannot lose. We just can't, we can't believe it that you made the world this way, that you've done this for us. We just stand in awe. We stand in awe of your kingdom. We ask as people that you would bring uh, the past, what you've accomplished into our present, that it affects our reality in the here and now. We ask that you would bring knowledge of what you are about to do and the way you are ultimately about to bring and make things right in the world. Bring that into our present into uh, our understanding that we would be filled with hope and life and light and joy and a sense of the safety of the kingdom of God that we absolutely cannot be torn down or destroyed. That we are secure in your kingdom. Yeah. 
And would you cause us to be people who are people secure in your kingdom, who reach out and impact the spiritual world around us through prayer, through healings, through miracles, uh, through doing all of the things that you call us to do. And would you cause us to be equally passionate to impact the natural world through creation care and care for the poor and be advancing your kingdom in those ways? Would you just let us be people of the whole package? We lay down some of our traditions and we lay down uh, some of our, our, our things that we feel like have maybe distanced ourselves from one another and we ask that you would help us to come to the center. Help us to come to a fullness of life as Christians. We, we just, we simply want it all, Jesus. We want it all. We want it all for one another. We want it all for us. We want it all for our church. We want it all for uh, your whole community of believers in this region and around the world. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We receive your kingdom, Lord Jesus. Let us grow. Let us grow. Fill us up, Lord Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen.